0: Hello and welcome back to Decrypted, a cybersecurity podcast for the everyday person. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Asida, and I'm joined, as always, by my cyber partner in crime, Dayton Williams. It's
1: great to be here, Jacob, or it would be great to be here, Jacob.
0: Much like the rest of the world, Dayton and I are socially distancing, which is just an excuse I have for not seeing him in person. But <laughs> in reality, we are having to record remotely now, which is unfortunate for the audio quality, but, you know, it's for our own safety.
1: Yeah, this is the same uh, kit and caboodle for every single podcast going on, so we're, we're just thrilled to be able to record for you.
0: That's right. So today, as you would have guessed it, we're going to be talking about something that's been in the news quite a lot, Corona. It's like malware, but for your body. Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was
1: just the latest in a series of leaks. 143 million Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history.
0: Estimated losses from these breaches in excess of $20 billion. <laughs> So we're bringing up this episode not to continuously dwell on the somber and you know dark facts about the coronavirus, but rather to talk about the more secondary effects due to the wide-scale work-from-home that is having to be happening because of this. This huge adjustment in how the workplace is working and how that is affecting your cybersecurity. So much like how the government shutdown affected things, we're going to be delving into how the coronavirus has affected cybersecurity.
1: Exactly. And if you want to hear about medical advice or anything specifically about Corona. You're at the wrong place. We're going to talk about its impact on the world around us.
0: That's right. So first off, let's talk about that wide-scale economic impact, the cloud strain, all of that. You've probably already heard a little bit about this. Netflix announced that it was reducing video quality in Europe. Uh, Zoom, which is a popular, you know, like sh- screen-sharing workplace sort of video conferencing app, they're having national slowdowns. I, I actually think Dayton, you're using Zoom. Is that correct?
1: Uh, currently, no, I'm not using Zoom. And there's a very good reason for that, isn't there?
0: That's true. But we're going to get to that <laughs> soon. Well, I guess we can uh, <laughs> say a little bit about it. But we're going to be talking a lot about the security vulnerabilities of Zoom, which is getting increased publicity because of its widespread use and its gaping security flaws.
1: Right. But we're going to get to that soon. Don't even you worry about it.
0: So the cybersecurity impacts because the world isn't scary enough. Well, Dayton, what do you have on this? So I think the first thing, is that during any
1: time of crisis, during any time there's something where importance of information is stressed, things like natural disasters, things like wide-scale pandemics like we're living through right now, information is a premium, right? And so because of this importance of information, there has been a huge uptick in corona-related scams. And so what do I mean by corona-related scams? I'm talking about the social engineering aspect of scammers using COVID 19 to exploit people's fears and spread dubious health advice, malware, and other cyber threats. In short, if you want information, you're looking online, you see an article that says COVID-19, five steps, or you know COVID-19, protect yourself. People will click on it without really thinking about it as much as they would for other links because they're scared. And who knows? It might redirect you to a place that will ask for your personal information. It may give you dubious information. Um, there's a large scale of anxiety right now, obviously, about corona and uh, you know people being safe. And so this, this anxiety is leading to... Um, people going into digital places where they don't usually go to. And so now it's really, really easy to become victim to a large amount of spam emails, fake websites, and malicious attachments, which, you know, fraudsters use to steal your information
0: and deceive you. Right. I mean, this is just, you know, phishing phishing emails are pretty easy to write right now. Urgent, please open coronavirus FAQs for your business. Boom. Easy to click on that. That's, you know, you it prays into people's fear. And, you know, because you have very, uh, very little other options in actually communicating, you know, it, it really augments the power of these, of these methods. Right. Now.
1: Right. And hey, could you speak a little bit about the malware surrounding Corona Jacob?
0: Yeah. So a mobile security firm called lookout has traced a malicious Android application to what it says is a long running campaign to spy on the people in Libya. So this is basically spyware masquerading as a popular map, um, that tracks the spread of COVID-19, but actually it just tracks this, the users of the app. So, you know, it, it, it's used by the government to repress the people. It's unclear who exactly uh, developed the app or anything like that. But it's, it's very clearly not what the intended use of the app was supposed to be. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty unfortunate. So there you go. There's a malware app in the App Store already doing that. I mean, there's, there's other um, instances of this as well.
1: So one of the really big impactful changes that I think a lot of Americans uh, and a lot of people around the world have been really um, embracing out of necessity, not necessarily desire, is the ability to work remotely. And so for for a lot of industries, a lot of different people, working remotely has never really been an option. But now it is a necessity. Everyone's working remotely. Everyone's at home. Everyone's trying to do what they can. Um, on their computers in the the comfort and safety of their own homes, right? So this massive change of so much of the workforce moving back into their homes to do their work has come with a lot of unintentional consequences when it comes to cybersecurity,
0: right? That's very true. Let's go back to Zoom, for Mm -hmm. instance, very classically used for work at home. Uh, You you know, it's used by high-profile figures such as the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, even Alan Greenspan from the Federal Reserve uh for, sorry former federal reserve uh you know but security researchers have called zoomed a privacy disaster and it's fundamentally corrupt so why is this the case well th- there's a lot of uh, things about it so starting off easily there's no end-to-end encryption basically what this means is that you could it, your conversation is not secure just fundamentally mm-hmm. because of this uh despite it advertising itself as having this um something called zoom bombing because of the security flaws that are in it is a prevalent feature which is where people that are uninvited to a conference are able to guess the url code for the zoom jump into your zoom and then they start screaming uh racial obscenities or you know just terrible things into your conference mm. because there's there's there there was uh lacking security while i'm sure this is being patched uh and there are working to include more protections and educate people to use zoom to prevent this you know it it should have be something that happened to begin with, frankly. Um do you know any other security flaws about Zoom? Well, I think
1: um Zoom has gone on the record uh of saying that they're going to fix these security flaws and they're trying to educate their users on how to safeguard their meetings. But I think there's such a big rush, a huge shock of people to the system joining Zoom. Um and like its far-reaching impacts are are really hard to capture, right? There's so many different um, options for video chatting and i don't think there's like a known figured out standard yet when it comes to having remote meetings which now all meetings are remote meetings um so mm-hmm. like i can't i can't speak specifically for say dc and the u.s government but i do know that the u.s government uses zoom a great deal um and so now uh, due to all these security flaws that have been put out who knows what you know what the u.s government is going to use right are they going to go microsoft teams are they going to do like webex Mm -hmm. are they going to i don't know do facebook like we are right now um you know there are so many options and it's kind of it's kind of this like you know there's no real time to test and figure out what is the safest means to do this and most and most effective also because you have to make sure it's a good meeting um you know so now it's like we're just all we're we're all guinea pigs
0: (laughs) Kind of in a matter of speaking, I guess these things—you know—you'd expect them to have some sort of rigorous testing to have, you know, these security policies put in place. But you know, clearly they aren't. I guess you know the scrutiny wasn't on them. I guess in the past, as it is now, e- even ignoring security vulnerabilities, and there are pretty major ones where there's, you know, bugs that enable the hacker to take over a Zoom's user, like a user's Mac or tapping into their webcam, hacking their microphone. The app—it's like the app itself has kind of uh, pervasive. Permissions that are problematic, mm-hmm. pervasive permissions that are problematic. Say that five times pretty fast. <laughs> so you know it's got a, it has something called the attention tracking feature. Are you aware of this? Uh, no, of this? I haven't. I haven't. It's <laughs> yeah. so, so like is Jay where, Leno. You ever, yeah. you ever heard of this? You heard of this? You heard of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ever heard of this? You heard of this? uh So <laughs> that was not my intention, but I realized that I did. uh So yeah, that's you know it, it's basically to see if a user clicks away from the zoom mm-hmm. window for 30 seconds or more, basically spying on you to see if you're paying attention. In the right, meeting, right. Which like, you know,
1: Lord knows the... we don't need that. You know, I'm going to be tabbing out, you know?
0: <laughs> True. Um, you know, and it's also been accused of selling user data mm-hmm. as well. Um, a lot of this comes from a Guardian reporting, uh, a Guardian article reporting this.
1: So I, I think going back to working from home, right? There's this increased mm-hmm. risk with a lot more of us using um, these new, this new, these new software packages we're not really familiar with when it comes to communicating. But there's a lot of other variables that make working from home a little bit more, uh, have people a little bit more at cyber risk, right? So for one, um, most people will be working from home uh, and you know they're on their personal Wi-Fi, right? So in mm-hmm. a lot of businesses, um, there will be a corporate Wi-Fi that you know, has, that's gone through its paces, like has a dedicated IT staff to make sure that that that, that connection is secure. And like most people working from home don't have that same luxury. A lot of people are, you know, using routers that they may have their default factory passwords or, um, Mm -hmm. you know... Or maybe they'll be be working on just some other kind of of unsecured network. And so these unsecured networks that are in a lot of our homes, they are prime real estate for malicious parties to spy on your traffic, collect confidential information, um, and generally make working from home very unsafe.
0: Certainly. I mean, there's just so many periphery devices in the home. Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, A workplace doesn't have to deal with like having a Wi-Fi-connected fridge necessarily, but you might have a Wi-Fi-connected fridge that has terrible patching because it doesn't exist, right. frankly. To, that kind of security doesn't really exist. So you know, you open the door to having just this huge network that is, frankly, already not protected very well to begin with. It's going to be kind of a disaster. It, it, you have to rely on, basically, your company's VPNs to have any amount of security, and there's only so much that can provide. Exactly, exactly. And th- you
1: know, not only that, but there's now... Um, now there's like tons of other personal computing devices that you know you have your personal computer at home well i'm at home already maybe i can use my personal computer or uh, maybe i can sync my phone up to it now there's just a lot less i think social accountability um there's not mm-hmm. a lot of moving of best practices onto people who are working from home um, and I, just another quick thing we we're talking about scamming earlier um, if you're a remote worker and you're you know you're getting emails from someone who looks like your boss it's really hard to uh you know i don't know walk into your boss's office or you know go buzz your boss and say hey i got this email from you what do you think about it um there's now this like veil of a screen and so there's Mm a social dimension now where if you get a if you get a scam email or like maybe your your boss or your superior somebody um has had their email compromised and they send it to you now there's like it's your one I think a person would be a lot more willing to accept that email you know because it's weird times you know I think
0: that no definitely I I would agree our public life is almost entirely online
1: exactly thank you that's exactly right it
0: goes it it goes beyond just your work I mean it goes beyond with your social interactions almost everyone's social interactions now are unless it's the people inside your own home you know it's basically online so you're if now more susceptible than ever to seeing a lot more fake news, which I would expect is actually quite pervasive right now, given the fact that everyone's kind of sitting at home waiting on news constantly, Mm, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, it's just something to be mindful of as, as we go forward, as we're, as we're incredibly reliant on sort of the internet to have social interactions right now, you can just see just how important it's. Right.
1: Right. And it's, it's so much (laughs) like, as you said, like all of our interactions are moving into this, this digital space. And this is in a way, um, a, a test case. This is a, a petri dish on what a more digital life would look like for this country, um, and for the rest of the world, for that matter. You know, there's so many large social changes that are going to come out of these two, three, four, five months. Who knows that we're g- that a lot of workers are going to be, you know, working from their personal offices and from their kitchens, from their living rooms. Um, it's going to reshape a lot of how we see cybersecurity. Um, it's going to change the way we train you know, workers on cybersecurity, it's going to change the way uh, people interact with cybersecurity on their personal devices. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of knock on fact knock on effects. And we can only speculate, but the, the changes are already beginning to happen.
0: Oh, yeah. Workplace culture is definitely going to have to see a shift because of this. I mean, will this result in greater working from home in general? Will it reduce the work week? I couldn't really possibly say, but it's certainly going to have impact on things. I mean, it's already had an impact, as we've seen with the doomsday reporting, basically, about you know how this is going to affect the economy with unemployment. We've even seen it with the issuing of the uh, $1,200 stipends in the U.S., basically Andrew Yang getting what he wanted in the end, if only for a month. What a curse timeline. <laughs> what a curse timeline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's really transformative. It's a very transformative period, and the longer it goes, the more effect this is going to have on us as a society, just from a cultural yeah. shift. Yeah. So it's something to continually. Lo- it's something to exactly.
1: Watch. And I think, as you were saying earlier about how our digital lives are now even more so pushed into the 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 main, the, the main the main center stage, um, I think issues that formerly um, maybe didn't have as much of an impact. Um, information-wise, now have a much larger impact. So now um, we're not interacting with as many people as we do on a daily basis. Maybe we're not reading as much print media. Maybe we're we're in our own echo chambers. So I think fake news slash disinformation campaigns are now particularly um, pointed and particularly stronger. Uh, especially add on that extra layer of a time of crisis, a time of uncertainty. Um, like we were saying earlier, uh, catchy titles and, and, and clickbait aren't just to get our personal information. It can also be used to change our opinions, change the blame of whatever that's going on right now. And I think we've seen this especially from uh, Russian actors who are using the coronavirus to push misinformation onto the American public.
0: It's a dangerous and scary world out there, and cybersecurity and technology continually advance, making it even harder to keep pace. But by listening to things like Decrypted and educating yourself on cybersecurity and technical matters, you can stay ahead of the curve. We will continue to produce Decrypted throughout the crisis, and we'll be going in and splitting up how we cover issues in the future. We're going to be doing these shorter, more timely news sort of reporting podcast episodes, which will be, you know, about 15 minutes or so. And we're going to be doing deep dives on more involved pieces such as encryption or the darknet are particularly uh, episodes that we're hoping to cover with things like the earn it act, which is going through Congress, which is getting very little attention given all that else that is going Ooh. on in the world. So be on the lookout for our, yes, be on the lookout for our more deep dive reporting. And we may actually have a special guest for that, but I won't say any more for yeah. that now. So
1: I think before we leave, um, I wanted to close out with a few decrypted recommendations to make your working from home experience as secure and as safe as it can be okay all right number one it. if you have a printer at home um and this is a thing that a lot of offices have paper shredders or they have like a um a safe way to dispose of important paperwork so if you can while at home avoid printing information that contains uh critical data and, and try to ensure the following of guidelines for disposing of information right Cybersecurity is not just over the computer security is not just something that you do in a computer it's it's uh, physical behavior as well. There are people who will be waiting in the trash to see if you can have something that you disposed of and dispose of it incorrectly. That's one. Um, number two is, you know, as we said earlier, be careful of those peripheral devices that connect to your work computer. Um, Some of us don't have work computers. Our work computer is our personal computer. So you have to make sure that you make sure that you keep up, you keep your software up to date, you make sure to do your patches, update your software as much as you can to make sure that you limit the chance of vulnerabilities that can be used on, say, your phone that infects your work/slash/personal computer. And if you have a work computer, try to not connect anything else to it besides just the things you absolutely necessarily need. Um, Third thing: ensure your home Wi-Fi connection is secure. Um, and don't use the default factory password. I think we had, we had a huge spiel about that in our network connection episode. Um, please, please, please don't use your default factory password. They're just freely available online. And that leaves your network very, very vulnerable. Um, number four, uh, when you're talking about critical information, ensure that like Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, ensure that they're like turned off in the same room as you. You know, your information is sometimes collected without you knowing. Um, you can open up your app on your Siri or your your Amazon Alexa and you can hear snippets of the times that you've talked. That information um, can be taken and that information can you know, be captured by malicious actors. So just always know there is an ear in the room with you. And I think the last thing that I would recommend is don't transfer files from your uh, personal computer into your work computer. Um, try to segregate that as much as you can. Um, you don't want them playing together. You want things uh, separate. And that that separation can be a huge difference maker in the safety and security of your your
0: work. Well, that's gonna do it for us this week. Thanks for joining us. Be safe, don't reuse your passwords, and please, dear God, wash your hands. (laughs) Thanks, Jacob. Decrypted is made possible by the Cybersecurity and Privacy Research Institute, which is a center for GW and the Washington area to promote technical research and policy analysis of issues that have a significant computer security and information assurance component To learn more, look up CSPRI or go to cspri.seas.gwu.edu.